Amen. That uh, music uh, sets up the preaching. Someone who made a statement one time that <clears throat> you can't not build a church with music. My response to that is, okay, but you can't build much of one without it. Amen. It's just what it should be. So find 1 Samuel chapter 1, please. 1 Samuel chapter 1. <clears throat> Thanks for letting me be here. It's uh, been a blessing already. <clears throat> and I thank you for all of that. I was telling on Dr. Tom Neal and I about being old. I want everybody in this room to know he's older than me. <laughs> About two months. Amen? So, just so you understand that. But this afternoon, I was at the motel, and my wife sent me a text, a picture text. And she's holding up a Christmas present that was supposed to be given to me last year. <laughs> and she said, I hid this in my Christmas hiding place, and now that we're moving, I found it. Old people, old people. <laughs> First Samuel, chapter 1, verse 9 says this. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. And Eli the priest set, I don't like the word set, please. And Eli the priest set up on the seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. In other words, he sat down on God. I'm gonna, if you'll give me a few minutes tonight, I'm going to preach on don't set down on God. Don't set down on God. Uh, I only mean this in a good way. I, I, I'm serious. You've got more in this church than you can say grace over. I, I know you call them mega churches. You call them whatever you want to call them. <clears throat> I know churches, you know, that's running 1,000. It does not have as much going on as you do. Can I tell you folks something? I don't mean to scare you, but you can't sit down. It, it, no way the things that you want done, done, it's going to get done if you sit down. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, by the way, your family's going to go to hell in a handbasket if you sit down on your, on your family too. The churches are dying left and right today because we've sat down on God. Don't sit down on your church. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. L let me pray. Let's get right into this. Father, I love you. Lord, I, I think back in 1970 when you saved me right out of Vietnam. And I, God, I know I love you. But I know most of all you love me. You just wanted to die for me. So I thank you for using me. Use me tonight. Make me a blessing. And I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The youngest child in this room is probably smarter than me. And I've never claimed to be smart. I'm a country, redneck, country Hick, that's H-E-C-K, Hick, all right? And uh, I, I don't know everything I should know, but I thank God I'm not what I used to be. He said here in verse 9, now I want you to get your pen on and like some stuff. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat up on a seat by a post of the temple in the Lord. I want you to realize just a couple things here, then I'll, I'll, I'll try to explain it to you. If you do a study of the tabernacle and all the different things was in the tabernacle, you know what you're going to find out? There was no seat and no place for a seat. 
So somebody added to God's plan. We're living in a day and age where we are taking away from God's plan and God's word and adding to God's plan and God's word. And that's what got this whole thing in a mess. But I want you to remember this. He sat down on God. Look at the next verse, verse 10. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Here's someone that's begging God to do something. While another one's sitting there doing nothing and don't want God to do anything. That's a dangerous situation to be into for any Christian. But especially a church. But let me tell you something, whether you like it or not, the devil's real. And he's out to destroy you. You know where the, you see that word where he's walking on the road line and seeking who he may devour? Uh, he's not just happy getting you to mess up. You know when the devil's the happiest? When he gets somebody in hell with him. Second habit he is when he gets a Christian that's serving God to quit serving God. Right. Setting down on God. Flip, flip over just a few pages to chapter 4. <clears throat> Begin reading in verse 14. And when Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, What meaneth the noise of this tumult? And the man came in hastily and told Eli. Now Eli was ninety and eight years old, and his eyes were dim that he could not see. <clears throat> and the man said to Eli, I am he that came out of the army, and I fled today out of the army. And he said, What is there done, my son? And the messenger answered <coughs> and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines, and there have been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he fell from off seat. By the way, there's that seat again. Sitting there doing nothing for God. He fell off seat backwards by the side of the gate. And his neck broke. And he died. For he was an old man and heavy. And he had judged Israel 40 years. No mention of a seat. Here's a man, whether we like it or not, fellas, and by the way, whether the congregation likes it or not, God does take certain people and put them in positions of authority. Amen. Amen. Uh, only one pastor, but a lot of men of God. Only one pastor, but a lot of people in the church can be serving God. There's no mention of that there. Someone added to God's plan. Uh, you can prove that, and I don't have time tonight, but Proverbs 30, verse 6, Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19, Deuteronomy 4, 2, uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 8 and 9. Uh, uh, it's a tradition for some reason to adding to God. The reverends of today will get up and make this statement. Now, what God really meant was, I don't need some preacher telling me what God meant. I need some preacher telling me what God said. Amen. No seat. Stay busy. Uh, oh, preacher, you having such a wonderful meeting this week? I, I just came to watch. You hypocrite. This ain't what it is because people came to watch. This, this church is not where it is today. And it started years ago. But to do that, it didn't build up and serve God. See all these people saved and things, all these things done. 
sitting down and watching. This man in this story sat down. He added to God's plan and he sat down and did nothing because he sat down on God. He said, she rejoiced. He said, she praised. He said, she had a broken heart. He said, she sang. By the way, many of us have lost our song, by the way. <laughs> I love coming to this church because I love the Neil girls and because I love you people. But I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't say this. I come mostly for the music. Sorry. Sorry. Listen, downtown Waterflow, New Mexico, population 150. We don't get that kind of music. We just don't get it. And it's wonderful to see it. He said, she sang. He slept, Samuel heard. He said, the people suffered, smitten, the Bible said. He said, his children lived in sin. He said, his sons died. He said, and another took his place. Don't sit down on God. You say, how does that happen? He made himself comfortable. He wanted easy things in the easy way. We were, uh, when we were in college, I know that was 100 years ago, there was no college on every corner back in those days. I'm sorry. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Thank God, the more we do for God, the greater I'm, I'm for it. And Dr. Lee Robson would have those great men, what we consider great men, heroes of the faith. Uh, you know, he'd have Lester Roloff, Jack Howells, I mean, uh, all the Rice brothers. He'd have everybody come in. And we students back in those days got to hear those great men and every day in chapel. It was just an amazing thing. Now I think it's a four-year course, but back in those days it was just a three-hour course called <coughs> you, <coughs> where you went in to learn the simple things. And Dr. Robertson was the teacher. And he let those men preach, and we got to go into a different room. We could ask them any questions we wanted to. And one young man said this. Now, now Brother Ross, now where I'm going to go, it's hard. And Brother Roloff stopped him. And he said, son, it's hard everywhere. You can't get any lost and loss. But what it is, if we think this is hard, it's hard to go to this neighborhood because they've got they're rich people, or it's, or it's hard to go to this neighborhood because they're just they can never help our church. Bunch of old dirty little kids, they can't help our church. Hello. Don't sit down. On God, but he made himself as comfortable as he could. The reason we sit down on God is because we just can't endure. And yet the Bible says we have to endure as a good soldier of Christ. We, we, listen, our, our preacher, our pastor said, dumb. He's got something going on all the time. Preacher's delight. Ain't no light, delight sitting there for four hours hearing somebody preach. Run by says. Got a college, got a, got a, a school. And then he, now, he's, now he's wanting to add the Amanda Ranch. Will he ever quit? I hope not. I hope he don't sit down on God. I hope he just keeps on keeping on till Jesus comes. Matter of fact, every one of us is saved or to keep going till Jesus comes or we go. 
Amen. He made himself comfortable. Uh, isn't it amazing to you that we like hearing the old stories of Christianity and, and church growth from way years ago. And do you realize that years ago, <coughs> people made it to the church house if they had to walk or take horse and wagon. And now we've got two to four cars in our driveway and we can't make it to church. Watch this carefully. <coughs> what, if <coughs> what if you woke up in the morning and the only thing you had left on this earth is what you thank God for today? You will sit and beg, and you people listen to me. You, you will sit and beg and cry and plead with God to give you a car. But do you use it for God or do you use it for you? Just asking. We want to be comfortable. We want everything going our way. Number one, he made himself comfortable. Number two, he favored his family over God. Listen to me now. I, I, <clears throat> I raised two boys in the Marine Corps. I'm talking about, you gave me that teenage look, the roll your eyes at me, I'd knock you slam across the room. Just mean in a junkyard dog. And never been around a little girl. Never helped one. My first grandchild, guess what, boys and girls? It was a girl. And she was a little preemie. It wasn't that big. And I'd hold her to shake and cry. And I'd tell her, I wish you knew how much I loved you. That little girl changed me from an old tough Marine to the softest man that ever lived. She never asked me for anything. She wouldn't come and say, Grandpa, I want. She'd come and say, Grandpa, I need. And whatever she needed, bless God, she got. <laughs> Amen. And as she got a little older, <clears throat> we had three other grandkids, but they were boys. Boys don't count. <laughs> and, and, and then the fifth one came along, another little girl. One more semester, and she'll be a registered nurse, legal, licensed, registered nurse. But the oldest one that I had ruined, I mean, that had ruined me, came to me, and she no longer said, I need. And you women are clever even when you're young. Grandpa, I was thinking. <laughs> Grandpa, the other day, Mom and I was at the mall. And I was thinking, it, it's just a few weeks to Easter. And my youngest granddaughter's name is Victoria. Uh, Victoria and she said, <clears throat> Grandpa, I was thinking, you could buy Victoria and I matching dresses for Easter. <laughs> and I grabbed her and hugged her, and we went to Dillard's. Listen, I, I, I've got a horrible disease, guys. And some of you old guys know what I'm talking about. But I've got a horrible disease. You need to pray for me. It's called Grandpa-itis. <laughs> and, man, I, I, I think some of you guys are my grandkids. I'm telling you, I, I, I'm eat up with it. But listen to me carefully. <clears throat> if you're a Bible believer, your love you have for your family should look like hate compared to your love to God. But that's a tough one. And by the way, you can't do it without God. That's why you better not sit down on God. <clears throat> Amen. <coughs> uh, look at chapter 2. I want, I want you to know this is all in the Bible that I'm saying. 
see. Uh, let's go to verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. Watch this now. They knew not the Lord. And it's none of my business how you run your family. I don't see how you can lay your head on your pillow at night and sleep comfortably and peaceably knowing you've got a child going to hell. I am a first-generation Christian. I was 22 years old the first time I ever saw the inside of a church, and I was raised right here in the Bible Belt of the South. Not one person ever invited me to ride their church bus. <clears throat> no Sunday school teacher, unlike Jack Cowsley Robinson, no Sunday school teacher ever asked me to go to their Sunday school class. No one ever asked me to go to their church. No one ever asked me to go to heaven. Hello? I, well, i got to brag a minute. I'm keeping this a secret. Don't tell nobody. About a month and a half ago, I became a great-grandpa. <laughs> Hadn't even laid eyeballs on her yet except over the phone. Guess where I'm going to be in three weeks? Skippity-doo-dahs. Oh! But you cannot, let's be careful. You cannot put your family ahead of God. When I got saved, my family laughed and mocked and made fun of me. They said, boy, he's on some good drugs today. He's a holy roller. What name is laugh, made fun of me? And it broke my heart to think that, you know, someone told me about the greatest news I've ever heard. I can go to heaven one day and not go to hell. I couldn't wait to tell my family. I thought, man, they'd be glad to hear this. They mocked and made fun. Mocked and made fun. I would never. What if? Okay, let me ask you this question. What if I had to sit down on God because my family laughed at me, made fun of me, didn't want to get saved, didn't want to go to church? Since 1970, all of our family saved except one brother-in-law. Hallelujah. Because we didn't put them first, we put God first. Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. And you know the story how that they would steal from the offering from the church house. You know, from sacrifices. They'd do all the things they were not supposed to do. And they were getting away with it. But be sure your sin will find you out. Listen to me, I cannot think of anything worse than dying without being saved. What a horrible, horrible life. But he put his family over God. I'm going to ask this question and I'm not going to go any further. What are your children getting away with? Just asking, what are your children getting away with? He made himself comfortable. He favored his family over God. What this call? Listen, <clears throat> he calls someone else to do what he was supposed to do. <clears throat> Believe this or not, if you decide to sit down on God, get over yourself. You're not that important. 
I'll, let me tell you exactly what's going to happen when you sit down on God. Are you ready? You're not going to like this, but are you ready? You've got to get somebody else and use and put you on the shelf, and he'll get somebody else to use them. My wife's mother was getting sick. She got so bad that we came down here, moved her to our place, and that's where she, 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 she died. But my wife used to come down every year when school was out for a couple weeks to take care of her mother, clean her house for her, do things for her. <clears throat> I don't know how to say this. I can not say it. While my wife was gone, I'm not a chef. I'm a beanie wiener eater. I, I, I can open a can of beanie wieners. With the best of them. I even take my John Wayne can opener, Brother Rose. Amen. And she was gone one, night, one time, and yeah, I was hungry, so I went and went through the shelves in the pantry. There was the stable of life, big can of beanie wienies. And she had left me plenty there, knowing that I was going to be hungry. Now I got a can. I went in to open them. And she had cleaned the house before she left. Watch this carefully. Women, listen. When you clean the house, don't mean you got to hide everything. I couldn't find a can opener. I keep a John Wayne can opener on my keys. But she had decided to take the vehicle to the airport, so I didn't have a John Wayne can opener. I was so stinking mad, I took that can of Benny Winnie's, and I walked back in that closet, and I was just going to throw it against the wall. But as I went, to, I set it there. Guess what? There was a can with a pop open on it. <laughs> so I put the can that didn't suit me and please me and help me go back on the shelf and talk to one that would. That's the same thing God will do to you. Go ahead and sit down on God. Listen to me. One monkey don't stop no show. You can quit on God, but I guarantee you God's work is going to continue. It just won't be you getting the blessing. It'll be somebody else because you're on the shelf now. You decided to sit down on God. Amen and amen. By the way, let me say this to you. We'll get myself in trouble. Did God make a mistake here? Samuel's not a Levite. Did God mess up? You're not the pastor, but you can win someone to Jesus. You're not the pastor. You can, I don't know what you can do. You're not the pastor, but you can run a bus route. Ladies, you may not be the pastor's wife, but you can teach a Sunday school class. Amen. He wasn't a Levite. But when the Levites didn't want to do it, somebody had to get it done. Don't sit down on God. Don't you sit down on God. It's got to be done. And by the way, it's going to be done. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's going to get done. By the way, it just may not be you doing it. By the way, you made light of the Word of God. I, I, I get to churches, and I, and I know it's me. I go to churches, and you'll preach, 
or you'll go visit and, and hear a preacher preach, and no one comes to the altar. And it seems like not to bother anybody. I, I train my people. There's only two reasons to go to the altar. If God doesn't speak to you, you ought to knock people over getting to the altar. Because God used to speak to you. But you started making light of it. So now it don't mean anything to you. It's just, it's just you know, something we do. We go to that building called a church. Now it's over. Let's go home and watch our TV shows. And God never moves you. He doesn't speak to you anymore. That's what happened to Eli when he sat down on God. Only two reasons to go to the altar. If God doesn't speak to you, knock somebody down and get to the altar. Number two, if God does speak to you, you come down and get right with God. There should be nothing between you and God when you leave tonight. Why would you spend all this money to have this big meeting this week and you don't even show up forward to pray about it? Amen. Ask any pastor in here. Two things you worry about when you're a pastor. I usually don't tell on pastors, but I'm going to tell them tonight because I be one. Can't spell it, but I is one. You know what pastors worry about the most when they have a conference of some kind? You ready? Two things they worry about. It makes them sick. They can't sleep at night. Worry about two things. Number one, will there be enough people? And number two, will there be enough food? And if you get those two things taken care of, a pastor's happy. Pack the building out, pack the grocers in. And, and that preacher, that pastor would be a happy man, any pastor. I don't know why. You worry about those things. Here's why. If you get people there under the sound of the gospel, lost people will get saved, and saved people will grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's two good things to worry about. Will there be enough people, enough food? Amen and amen. And watch this carefully. He let the light of God go out. Chapter 3, <clears throat> verses 2 and 3. And it came to pass that at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his <clears throat> eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the Lamb of God went out in the temple. Now we read that. Young, young people look at me. We read that and we say, big deal. We turn the light out all the time around here. You better go back and study that, what that stood for, what it meant. Watch this carefully. The lamp of God represented the zeal of God. It represented the power of God. It represented the presence of God. It, by the way, it represented the passion of God. And he let it go out. Now, there's four of you not mad at me, so let me make you mad. The building is a building. You're the church. Do you realize if you don't eat, uh, looking at all you people, you don't have a problem with that, but, but if you don't eat, you're going to die. Amen. It may be beanie weenies, but if you don't eat, you're going to die. And churches are dying because they're not being fed. And now they're dying spiritually. Be very, very careful. He let himself go. You know, he got to be too heavy. Uh, you asked any Marine. We, we, we went through some, us older guys went through some stuff that, in Vietnam, wherever, that, that you wouldn't believe we went through. 
but it kept us lean and mean and hateful and wicked. Here's what you need to remember. If you let yourself go, you're going to wind up sitting down. Tom Neal, I'm going to say it again. He told me don't ever preach about old people's habits anymore, but i got to throw this one in. When you get old, you don't even feel like getting out of the lazy boy, let alone out of bed. Amen. It's tough. It's tough as you get older. Because when you get older, your metabolism breaks down and you don't have the <clears throat> that you used to have. That's why I go around starting fights once in a while. Just, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but he let himself go. He got the flesh, got the best of him. If, if, if we don't have time tonight, but if you went to chapter 16, a man comes along and says, uh, Saul's not going to be the king. And God sent me to your house, Jesse. Let's take a look at the boys. Remember the story? The first one came out and, oh, ooh, a man's man. No, not the one that looks the best always. And he went through all the boys. And God never gave him peace about it. He said, that's just, that's not the one. You know what? He could have sat down on God and said, I'm just going to take it, the one I want to take. But he didn't do that. He said, I'm going to do this thing right. Jesse, is this all your sons? He said, well, well no, sir. But I didn't think you wanted to see that little ruddy one, the runt of the family. I didn't think you wanted to see him. He's over there messing with them sheep, taking care of the sheep. He's over there working. We're sitting around doing nothing. And I'm sure you didn't want me to go, little red-headed, ruddy-looking kid. You want me to go get it? I don't think so. And what did the man of God say? He said, boys, we will not sit down till he come hither. Can you imagine if all of us saved people got the attitude, I will not sit down till he comes hither? Did y'all hear what I just said? Can you imagine if everyone names the name of Christ, said, I will not sit down on God till he cometh hither. Till Jesus comes back, I'm not going to sit down. I will not sit down on God till Jesus. And by the way, Jesus is coming just like he said. You, you, I get excited. You're going to think I'm an idiot. And I'm really not smart. But anyway. I like hearing people on sitcoms and comedians and so-called religion make fun of those who believe Jesus is coming back again. Because God said that's a sign of, the, the, of him coming. There'll be mockers and scoffers. I like that. I like it when people say, well, <coughs> great-grandma said it. Grandma said it. Mama said he was coming. He ain't come yet. I love that. Because then I would think not, your Lord doth come. So I think I'm just going to keep on going till Jesus comes where I go. Don't sit down on God. Don't sit down 
on God. Don't set down on your family. Don't set down on your country. Don't set down on souls. Don't set down on the work of God. Don't set down on your ministry. By the way, in this story, he added to God's plan. Don't set down on that old Bible you've got. Just keep on going till you go or he comes. But make yourself a promise tonight. I will not set down on God if he come hither.